Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the daily tamid lamb offering this is part four of the series in the talmud in yoma 20a it explains that at cockrow the ashes are removed from the altar every day one would remove the ashes from the altar at kiryat ha geber a term that refers to the call of geber the word geber in Hebrew means both man and cock, as in a rooster. Thus, this expression is interpreted to mean either at cockcrow or as the officer called them in the morning, or about that time, either before or after. Next, in the Talmud, in Tamid 26a, it explains that there is a drawing of lots to remove the ashes. Anyone who desired to remove the ashes from the altar used to rise early and bathe before the superintendent came. The superintendent would come and knock, and they would open for him, and he would say to them, Let all who have bathed come and draw lots. So they drew the lots. Continuing from the Talmud in Tamid 28a, it explains that the priest who drew the lot to remove the ashes would first wash his hands and feet. The one on whom the lot had fallen to clear the ashes from the altar made ready, and then they said to him, Be careful not to touch any vessel until you have washed your hands and feet from the labor. This instruction that the priest who drew the lot to remove the ashes would first wash his hands and his feet comes from the Torah in Exodus chapter 30 verses 18 to 20 as it is written. And you shall make a laver of copper for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet there. When they go into the tabernacle they shall wash with water and when they come near to the altar to minister to burnt offering made by fire unto the Lord. So initially the ashes are put beside the altar. This is explained in Leviticus chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 as it is written. Command Aaron and his son saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh and take up the ashes which the fire has consumed with the burnt offering on the altar and he shall put them beside the altar. The details of this process is 
explained in the Talmud in Yoma 20a. As there it explains the details of the removing of the ashes from the sacrifice altar. Every day one would remove the ashes at cockcrow. In reality, one did not remove all the ashes, but only a handful. The rest were swept together on top of the altar and formed gradually a cone, as this cone resembled an apple. It was removed only when it occupied too much room or space. For it says in Leviticus chapter 6 verse 11, And he shall carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. Continuing in the details of the explanation from the Talmud, Yoma 28b, And he went up to the top of the altar. Such limbs and pieces of fat as had not been consumed since the evening, they removed to the sides of the altar. If there was no room on the sides, they arranged them on the surround and on the ascent. They then began to throw ashes onto the heap. This heap was in the middle of the altar. So when the volume of the ashes around the altar began to get too large, they would then ultimately be taken and put outside the camp. In Leviticus chapter 6, verses 9 and 11, it is written, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering. And he shall put off his garments, and put on other garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. So, what was the meaning of this phrase, outside the camp? Where did this refer to? Well, the interpretation was explained in the Talmud in Makot 15a, and making a reference to the verse in Numbers chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 where it says, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp, so that they defiled not their camp in the midst where I dwell. The interpretation is as follows. The camp is here defined by the phrase, in the midst whereof I dwell, and it means the tabernacle. See Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 and chapter 29 verses 42 to 46, which was situated in the center where the children of Israel resided around the tabernacle, as there were three camps, the first being the tabernacle itself, where the priests ministered, which was in the center among the people, and around the tabernacle was the Levites, so they had their camp, and around the Levites was the camp of the rest of the tribes of Israel, or the Israelite camp. So next I'm going to show you a graphical picture of these three camps. So here we can see in the center of the dwelling of the Israelite tribes was the tabernacle, where the priests ministered under the Lord. Around the tabernacle is the camp of the Levites, and then around the Levitical camp is the camp of the rest of the tribes of Israel. The three tribes on the east side, that is Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, was known as the camp of Judah. The three camps on the south, Gad, Simeon, and Reuben, was known as the camp of Reuben. The three tribes to the west, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, was known as the camp of Ephraim. And the three tribes of the north, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali, was known as the camp of Dan. So the rabbis took the pattern of the layout of the camps of Israel in the wilderness and applied it to Jerusalem. This is 
explained in the Talmud in Zevahim 55a, where it says, Clean from the defilement of a leper. Which place is that? That would refer to the camp of the Israelites. And the three camps in the wilderness were set up as degrees of holiness, or degrees of sanctity. The highest camp of holiness was the camp of the Divine Presence, or the tabernacle itself. The lesser camp of holiness from the tabernacle and the divine presence was the camp of the Levites. And the lowest form of sanctity and holiness was the general camp of the Israelites. So that setup in those three camps was mapped by the rabbis to correspond to three camps associated with Jerusalem. So the temple itself in Jerusalem corresponded to the camp of the Divine Presence or the Tabernacle. The Temple Mount area corresponded to the camp of the Levites in the wilderness. And finally, the walls surrounding and the city limits of Jerusalem corresponded to the camp of the Israelites in the wilderness. So this is stated in the Talmud in Zevahim 116b where it says, Just as there were camps in the wilderness, so there was a camp in Jerusalem. From the walls of Jerusalem to the Temple Mount was the camp of the Israelites. From the Temple Mount to the gate of Nicanor was the Levitical camp. And beyond that was the camp of the Divine Presence, or the Shekinah. So next we're going to see that the ashes of the burnt offering, the ashes of the sin offering, and the ashes of the red heifer were all instructed in the Torah to be taken outside the camp. So in Leviticus chapter 6 verses 9 and 11, we can see how the ashes of the burnt offering was to be taken outside the camp, as it is written. Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering, and he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without or outside the camp unto a clean place. Next, the sin offering. Its ashes were to be taken outside the camp, as we can see from Leviticus chapter chapter 4, verses 8 and 12, as it is written. And he shall take off from it all the fat of the bullock from the sin offering. Even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without or outside the camp unto a clean place, where the ashes are poured out, and burn him on the wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out shall he be burnt. And next we can see that the ashes of the red heifer were to be taken outside the camp from Numbers chapter 19 verse 2 and verse 9 it is written, This is the ordinance of the Torah which the Lord had commanded saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer, and a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. So what was the meaning of without or outside the camp? In the Talmud in Zevahim 105b it explains, Our rabbis taught, even the whole bullock shall he carry forth outside the camp, as is stated in Leviticus chapter 4 verse 12 regarding the sin offering. The meaning of outside the camp is outside the three camps. And in the wilderness regarding the tabernacle, the tabernacle itself, the camp of the priests, and outside the camp of the Levites, as well as the camp of the tribes of Israel, or the Israelites. So, as it related to Jerusalem, what was the meaning of outside the camp? 
we're going to see from the Talmud in Zevahim 105b that it was interpreted to mean east of Jerusalem or the Mount of Olives. Rabbi Eliezer said, without stated here, that is regarding the sin offering in Leviticus chapter 4 verse 12, and without the camp is stated elsewhere, that is regarding the red heifer in Numbers chapter 19 verse 3. So just as in Leviticus chapter 4 verse 12 regarding the sin offering, it means outside the three camps that were in the wilderness. So here as well regarding the red heifer in Numbers chapter 19 verse 3, it means outside the three camps. And as there, it means on the east of Jerusalem, as the tent of meeting in the wilderness faced east, so here too it means on the east of Jerusalem. And as a result, the red heifer sacrifice was done east of Jerusalem, meaning the Mount of Olives. So the rabbis understood and interpreted that the phrase, a clean place outside the camp, was referring to the Mount of Olives. And we can see this from the Mishnah in Midot 1.3, where there it says, there were five gates to the Temple Mount, and the eastern gate over which was a representation of the palace of Susa and through which the high priest who burnt the red heifer and all who assisted with it used to go forth to the Mount of Olives, which is located to the east of Jerusalem, where thus the red heifer sacrifice was burnt. Continuing in the explanation that the clean place outside the camp was on the Mount of Olives, from the Mishnah Midot 2.4, it goes on to say, All the walls of the temple were high except the eastern wall, so that the priest who burnt the red heifer might, while standing on the top of the Mount of Olives, by directing his gaze carefully, he could see the door of the Hekal, or the palace, or the temple, at the time of the sprinkling of the blood. So in the first century, there was a bridge or a causeway that was built from the Temple Mount to the Mount of Olives. This is explained in Mishnah Parah 3.6 where it says, The causeway was made from the Temple Mount to the Mount of Olives, whereby the priest who was to burn the cow, that is the red heifer, the cow itself and all who aided in its preparation went forth to the Mount of Olives. A reference to this causeway or bridge from the Temple Mount to the Mount of Olives is mentioned in Luke chapter 19 verse 37 as it is written and when he that is Yeshua was come nigh even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, a reference to the bridge or the causeway, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. So in all, there were three ash pits, and one of the three ash pits was located outside the camp. This is explained in the Talmud in Zevahim 104b, where it says, Rabbi Nachman said in Rabbah, son of Abaha's name, there were three ash pits. There was the large ash pit in the temple court, and there was secondly an ash pit on the temple mount, while those which were burnt in pursuance of their rites were burnt, where the third ash pit was located, which was outside the three camps associated with the boundaries of the city of Jerusalem itself. We're told in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11, that Yeshua was crucified outside the camp, as it is written. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without or outside the camp. 
Continuing in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, it is written, Wherefore Yeshua, also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered or died outside the gate or the city walls of Jerusalem. So let's summarize this part of the teaching on the daily Tamid lamb offering. And it is as follows. Number one, around sunrise, lots would be drawn to remove the ashes from the altar. Number two, the priest who drew the lot to remove the ashes from the altar would first wash his hands and feet. Number three, initially, the ashes were put beside the altar. And once the ashes accumulated, they would later be taken outside the camp to a clean place. Number four, there were three camps associated with the tabernacle when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. First was the tabernacle itself, which was the camp of the priests. Second was the camp of the Levites. And thirdly, the camp of the tribes of Israel. Number five, the three camps associated with the tabernacle corresponded to the three camps of Jerusalem. The first camp was the temple itself. The second camp was the temple mount. And the third camp was associated with the walls in the city limits of Jerusalem itself. Number six, the ashes of the burnt offering, the sin offering, and the red heifer were taken outside the camp to a clean place. Number seven, outside the camp, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and the tabernacle was in the midst of them, was understood to be the eastern side of the tribes of Israel. This corresponded to outside the camp as it related to Jerusalem to be to the east of Jerusalem, which was the Mount of Olives. Number eight, as a result, Yeshua was crucified outside the camp on the Mount of Olives. So as we share with you this teaching on the daily Tamid lamb offering, we're going to continue the process of going over with you the various daily activities that were associated with offering both the morning and the afternoon lamb in the temple. And in doing so, we're going to see how it relates, prophesies, and parallels the events that happened to Yeshua in the process of him dying on the tree and shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So we're going to begin to look at, at this time, some of the activities that were associated with the beginning of the morning service associated with the offering up of the morning lamb. So at this point in the process, the priest is going to put new wood upon the altar every morning. In Leviticus chapter 6, verses 9 and 12, it is written, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering, and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. So wood was added to both the sacrifice altar and the incense altar. This is explained to us in the Talmud in Tamid 29a, where it says, They then began to take up the logs to lay the fire. They picked out from there some specially good fig tree branches, and with these he laid a second fire for the incense altar. They then kindled the two fires and descended and went to the chamber of the hewn stone to cast second lots for the next duties in the service. In the Talmud in Tamid 30a, it explains the second drawing of the lots and how these activities are associated with the preparation of the slaughter of the morning lamb. 
The superintendent then said to them, Come and cast lots to see who is to slaughter the animal, and who is to sprinkle the blood, and who is to clear the ashes from the inner altar, and who is to clear the ash from the candlestick, and also the fine flowers, meaning the minha offering, and the griddle cakes and the wine, referring to the drink offering. At cockcrow, or around sunrise, word was given to prepare for the morning part of the daily service associated with the slaughter of the lamb. In the Talmud, in Yoma 20b, it explains, Every day one would remove the ashes at cockcrow. And what does Gibini, that is the temple crier, call out? Arise, ye priests, for your service. He announces the start of the morning Tamid service. Levites, to your platform. Israel, for your post. Continuing the explanation from the Talmud in Yoma 28a and Tamid 30a, he then said to them, Go out and see if it is yet time for the killing of the morning sacrifice. If it actually was time, the observer, referring to the priest that would be standing on the roof of the temple, would verify and validate that it is daylight as he would see the whole of the east of the sky had lit up, and he would be able to do so as far as Hebron. So while the start of the day was being declared, so that in the temple preparations for the offering of the morning lamb could begin in parallel, given that Yeshua is the Lamb of God, John chapter 1 verse 29, as dawn arrived, Yeshua is taken to Pilate. In Mark chapter 15 verse 1, it is written, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and bound Yeshua, and carried him away, and delivered him to Pilate. In doing this, the chief priests did not go into the Roman judgment hall. We can see this from John chapter 18 verse 28 as it is written. Then led they Yeshua from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, so that they might be able to eat the Passover. Rather than going into the Roman judgment hall, the chief priest stayed in the open courtyard. The reason for this is explained in the Mishnah in Ohalot 18, 7, and 10. In the Mishnah Ohalot 18, 7, it says, The dwelling places of the heathens are unclean. And then in Mishnah Ohalot 18:10, it gives further detail. The following ten places are not subject to the laws of heathen dwelling places, one of them being the open places of a courtyard. So this is why the chief priest stayed in the open courtyard rather than going into the Roman judgment hall. So at sunrise, and as the declaration was being made to begin the morning service, which would lead to the offering of the morning lamb upon the altar, the great gate of the temple is opened. In the Talmud in Tamid, 30b, it explains, He then came to the small door on the north, and no one ever went in by the door on the south. He took the key and opened the small door, until he reached the great gate, and then he opened it. The slaughterer did not kill the lamb, till he heard the sound of the great gate being opened. So at the opening of the great gate in the temple, to declare the beginning of the morning service, to offer the lamb upon the altar, there were three trumpet blasts 
that were sounded. In the Talmud, in Sukkah 53b, it explains, They never sounded less than 21 blasts in the temple, and never more than 48, that is, in one day. For every day they blew 21 blasts in the temple. Three were at the opening of the gates, nine at the daily morning sacrifice, well, that's going to conclude part four of the series on the subject, the daily Tamid lamb offering. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.